we're going to be a, a little bit all over tonight in the Word of God. I have a topical message. Uh, I told my kids last night, tomorrow night, we're preaching on look out for love. <laughs> look out for love, yes. We are told uh, in the Word of God, and we looked at this morning, uh, the idea that we, we know the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And this morning we touched on that in Sunday schools. We talked about how the corruption of the world uh, grew in Genesis chapter number 6 and ultimately reached a point where God said, hey, the, the thoughts and intents of the heart of man is only evil continually. And he ultimately decided, I'm just going to destroy the whole earth with a flood because of the evil intentions of the heart of man. This world has a philosophy or a mindset that they feel like if they say, well, the heart wants what the heart wants, like somehow that makes it acceptable or okay that the heart wants, even if it's something that the heart shouldn't have, even if it's something that is perverse or wicked or something that you shouldn't pursue that well the heart wants what the heart wants there's the the almost the implication is that uh hey you can't control it it's whatever the heart wants i mean isn't you actually have as an individual no control over your heart i mean it's just that's what the heart wants and so if you just say that i mean everybody's just supposed to accept it and go along with you the married man says well i didn't mean to fall in love with another woman it just it just happened No, it didn't. No, it didn't. You allowed your heart to proceed down a road that it should not have gone down. You allowed your heart to wander. You allowed your heart to pursue after things that it should not pursue. It was a misplaced love. The fact of the matter is, is you didn't control your desires. And now you've damaged the lives of countless numbers of people. Our text this evening is Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23. Proverbs 4, 23. This is the driving point for this evening with regards to us and this endeavor to look out for love. The truth of the matter is, is you and I can control what our heart goes after. It's a decision that we make. We decide. It's a it's a it's a fallacy. It's a it's a falsehood to say, "Oh well, I fell into love." You allowed your heart, and yea, maybe even pushed your heart that direction to strive and trying to attain that which your heart wanted. We see in Proverbs four, verse number twenty-three, he says, "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." He says, keep thy heart. Beloved, we're to guard our hearts. We're to keep our heart. We're to to put a hedge of protection about our heart and not allow our heart to proceed down a road that it shouldn't go down. The fact of the matter is there are some pursuits in life, some loves that we may have that aren't loves that we should have. But tonight I want to sound the alarm. I want to put up the caution sign. I want you to be aware and look out for some loves that we shouldn't have. 
we could say, looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, love in and of itself, we know, is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a gift from God. It's an emotion that God gave us. One man said, love is like a steam radiator. It keeps you warm, even though it's 90% hot air. I mean, love is a blessing. Love is a gift from God. And beloved, if you've had the privilege of to be loved or to know love, what, what, a, what a blessing and a privilege that is. The young person here to various degrees based on their age and where they are in their life are longing to know that kind of love. Looking for the day when they could give their heart to somebody completely and somebody would love them that way completely and there's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible gives us some things that we got to watch out for and I just looked in the Word of God at some of the loves that are seen that we know that we really need to guard against. The first one, which I believe is a very prevalent problem in our society today, quite possibly better than, or I would say worse today than it ever has been, is the love of self. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. We know there's a list here. I think it's 19 things that uh, describe the uh, state of, of end times of where people will be uh, lovers of their own selves. People today in love with their own interests and their own ideas. Beloved, we have to guard our heart against that. Being a love of our own self, you know, from the youngest child here, even all the way into the nursery. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, standing in the foyer, it may have been last week, I, you know, time flies, I don't know. They may tell me it was in January, I don't know when it was. But a couple of ladies were standing in the foyer talking about how their kids get jealous when they pick up anybody else's child. As that child didn't need mom at all, was fine just playing in the nursery until mom picks up somebody else's child. Wait, wait, that's my mom. You have my mom. They are looking out for their own interests. They, they have that self-love. And, and wait, wait, no, 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 mom, no, you can't carry somebody else. You're only supposed to carry me. It's not just kids, even adults. You know, beloved, the reason that you get so offended all the time is because you're in love with yourself. If you die to self, can't offend, can't offend a dead man, can't insult a dead man. I mean, if you die to self, as the Bible tells us to, then we're not going to be getting offended all the time. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And yet, uh, so many Christians are wearing their feelings on their sleeves, and they get offended so easily, and the smallest little thing uh, comes across them, and now all of a sudden there's some great problem that, that has to be dealt with by everybody and their brother because this individual got bent out of shape. And listen, we're going to try and minister to you and help you wherever you're at, but I would encourage you, if you're a little less in love with yourself, you wouldn't be getting offended so much. We all believe that our ideas are the uh, greatest ideas in the world. 
I don't remember exactly the words because I wasn't in the session, but I did some editing on the audio from the Marriage Matters Conference, and uh, my mom was talking to the lady something about submission. She says, the fact of the matter is, is I think I have some pretty good ideas, and I think we ought to do them. But sometimes my husband doesn't agree, and I don't, I don't know exactly what she said, you guys. I was just editing, clip, clip, clipping through. Uh, but, you know, she says, but ultimately... I think what she said is, I learned a long time ago that submission means I duck so that God can hit him. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what she learned about submission. So I'm not sure how good advice that is, but that's what mom said. <coughs> so ultimately, listen, we, we got to be careful. It's not, you know, everything doesn't have to be our way. Everything is not my ideas are greatest. And, and you know, if, any, if we don't do that, then, then I'm disturbed or bothered about it. The world is so in love with itself. This idea, some buzzwords from today, is self-care. Oh, self-care. You've got to care for yourself. If you, you can't care for anybody else unless you've cared for yourself. I want you to know that's contrary to biblical principle. It's a worldly mindset. I was reading in, uh, on the website Psychology Today, and you're like, that's your first problem, amen? <laughs> I was reading in Psychology Today... And in an article written to help people through the rocky part of marriage, they said this, self-care is very important. And self-care is more than just massages and meditation. It's financial stability. They said in order to prepare yourself for going through rocky times, ultimately preparing yourself, they said, through the breakup, here's what you need to do. You need to get your own bank accounts and credit cards. Self-care. Giving advice, saying, listen, what you need to do is you need to prepare for the day when you're not together. You need to right now go ahead and worry about yourself. Just be concerned about yourself. Get your own bank account. Get your own credit card. Make sure you're financially secure. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about the family. Just look out for numero uno. Get your financial situation settled. Goes on, says, shore up your individual support network. Get friends and family on your side. Complete and utter hogwash. I, I, you know, self-care, let's, let's go around and let's secure support. Let's get some friends that are here just for me. They're not here for us. They're not here for the marriage. They're not here for the family. Let's go get some friends that are just going to be on my side and help me. That's the world's mentality of self-care. Beloved, we need to look out for self-love. The reason we're having so, the reason that these couples are having so many problems, they're already consumed about themselves too much. If they were living for each other, they wouldn't be having these problems. It's, it's, a, it's a snowball effect that's just getting worse and worse and worse. When they're living for themselves, they're getting nothing out of the marriage. And so they're just going to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to live for myself. And so they're going to continue to pursue and live for themselves. And they're going to continue to get nothing out of the marriage. And it's just going to be self-propagating and ultimately re result in a destruction of the home. And if they would stop living for self, they would change direction. People are in love with their image today. It seems as though people's favorite piece of furniture in the house is a mirror. This is the day and age of selfies and self-promotion. It really is sickening. Six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look. I, I know the day that I took the first selfie I ever took in my life. And you say, how do you know that? I said, because I fought against it for a long time. <laughs> 
I just didn't want to do it. But we were on a mission trip as Mary and I and on our way to India in 2018 and we were in the plane and I took a selfie so we could post it on Facebook to tell the church family we're on our way. You know, otherwise I had to ask somebody, hey, can you take a picture of Mary and I? And so it wasn't a selfie, it was both of us, you know. And, uh, but that's the first day. There's nothing maybe inherently wrong or sinful about taking a picture of yourself, but this idea of self-promotion, being in love with your image. Young men and young ladies want to act like they're camera shy. When I come around the church here with a camera, oh no, don't take a picture of me. Oh, I didn't do my hair today. Oh, oh no, I don't like cameras. Oh no. Uh, but then they go home and they are standing in front of the mirror. You know? You know they are. Oh, no, that one doesn't look good enough. I need to put a filter on there and clean that up. You know, when I was a teenager, there was a, uh, 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 and it may still be around, I don't know, but there was a photography company called Glamour Shots. And I remember when my aunt who had to be in her late 50s, went to Glamour Shots and got her photo taken. She showed them to me, and I'm like, why? <laughs> um, nobody told you <laughs> what stage of life you're in? Uh, this is not the stage where you're going to get Glamour Shots, honey. Uh, I just, what in the world? But the whole idea is that you could go get these shots and you could look like movie stars, and here's the thing, beloved, they, they take those shots and they make the, the ladies look seductive. They, they, they set the cameras in such a way and they, they drape the clothes in such a way and they make the lighting in such a way so it's as, as uh, enticing and as seductive as possible. And the fact of the matter is a lot of these filters that you young ladies are using are doing the same thing. You need to be careful about what you're putting out there on the internet. You know how to bend your body and make it so you're accentuating and accenting the curves that you want the world to see. And listen, honey, if you get them that way, you're going to have to keep them that way. And any of you ladies have been around a little while, you know that it, things don't stay where they were when you were 17. Life, life has a way of, you know, breaking those things down. You, you have a couple of children go through, through, through that, and life, life changes you. And honey, you, you're going to be sitting at home one day all by yourself, and he's not going to be home, and you're going to be wondering, I wonder who he's looking at now, because you know the way you got him is through looks. It'd be better for you to want his heart because you're of the purity of your, of your life, the holiness of your life. And let him be presently surprised how many curves you got. You don't need to put them all out there for the world to see. We need to be careful with this self-love. The image that we put out there for the world. Now I understand, beloved, being nervous when we're in front of people. I, I understand that. But being too overly concerned where we cannot be used of God because we're too afraid that somebody's going to hear us make a mistake Oh, no, I can't play the piano because I might not do it perfect. Nobody expects you to be Liberace. Okay? <laughs> You're like, hallelujah. Uh, nobody, I mean, it's okay. Listen, Carol, nobody expected you to be James Galloway tonight. 
But wasn't there special, wasn't there special blessing? It's just saying, okay, God, I have a skill and I'll use it for you. Sometimes we're so consumed with, oh, no, somebody's going to hear me make a mistake and I might not do it perfect. And uh, no, I couldn't possibly do that in front of anybody. Why? Because you're in love with yourself. Because you're in love with yourself. If you weren't so in love with yourself, you'd be less concerned about that and more concerned about an opportunity to glorify God. You tell me tonight, you say, hey, Pastor Caleb, I don't have a problem with this. Well, can I give you a Bible verse? Ephesians 5.29 says, no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Now, I know in context, that's talking about us men. That's a passage where we're to love our wives. But I think you could include all mankind. No man hated his own flesh. Nourisheth it and cherisheth it. Men by nature are lovers of themselves. But we're supposed to die daily and pick up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. Beloved, every time I choose my own way over God's, I'm proving my love for me and my lack of love for him. What we need to do is get over ourselves. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Look out for the love of self. Matthew 16, 25 and 26 says it might cost you eternity. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Loving yourself too much just might cost you eternity. And it will surely cost you a lot of enjoyment if you love yourself too much. Secondly, I want you to see, to look out for the love of sin. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read down to 4. We, we said the beginning here already, but this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boaters, blasphemers, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, if you guys know the verse, you know what's coming. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, pleasure in and of itself is not necessarily sin. For the greatest pleasure any man will ever know is doing the will of God. So that, that is pleasure and enjoyment that, that is right and it's good. And, and we can and should have pleasure given to us by God. But beloved, when we come to the place that we love and pursue and seek after pleasure more than we seek after God, it becomes sin. For what is the first and the great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. We know Moses in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25 said, when he had come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Beloved, when we are too, this, this love here is talking about being preoccupied. It's, a, it's an all-consuming passion. And, and the, the idea of young love, that, that young love where, you know, you can't even concentrate and you go to class and 
you know, you can't even think about your teacher and what he's supposed to be teaching because you've got this, you're just in love and, and that's what matters to you right now. Nothing else really matters. You're just in love and it's just all consuming. And, and that's the idea here. It's talking about lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The all-consuming desire for self-satisfaction, for enjoyment of your own uh, liking. It's literally one who gives himself over for personal pleasure and satisfaction. Can I tell you today that men have become seekers of pleasure above all else? Work is endured until you can get your next fix of pleasure. People are living for pleasure and the other things they're just, they're just doing. It's one of the reasons why our homes are having such hard time is because it takes work to have a good home. But people don't want to work at that. They just want to live inside of this bubble of pleasure and enjoyment. Thank God it's Friday mentality. It's all about the times that we can have fun and the rest of it we're just drudging through. Pleasure is the priority of their life. Beloved, when you can't make it to church on Sunday because you're up too late on Saturday, whether it was watching a game or watching movies or playing games or whatever it might be, there's a problem there. You love pleasure more than you love God. When you take your kids to t-ball or dance instead of to church, there's a problem there. There's a lover of pleasure more than a lovers of God. By and large, the foolishness that takes place in churches today is motivated by men seeking entertainment instead of seeking enlightenment. And I went into the illustration this morning about the church that had this football scene and all that was was entertainment. Men want to be entertained. They want to have a good time. Quite literally, the pastor said in an interview when he was being criticized for what he did, he says, oh, we believe that going to church ought to be fun. And I think it ought to be fun that there should be a focus, a priority on the Heavenly Father, not on entertainment. Beloved churches today are proud of the fact that they're not your grandfather's church. They're doing all they can to remove the trappings of church. They're making their buildings look like uh, nightclubs instead of houses of worship. I was given some good advice many years ago concerning the church and setting of the calendar. And every year when I sit down with the staff and we look at the calendar for the year, I remind them of this. And that is you don't ever set your calendar for your carnal Christians. You set the calendar of the church for your spiritual Christians. And hopefully you can drag the carnal ones along to some spiritual things. Now, I'm all for activities. I'm all for having fun. And, and we, we do those things. There's nothing wrong with, with a volleyball league. But when that becomes the focus of the church, there's a problem. That cannot be the priority. Oh, it's fun and it's enjoyable and that's great. But that's not what the church exists for. The church exists for what we had this morning. The salvation of souls and the baptism of God's people, the, the growth and the change of lives, the reaching of, of the lost. You remember, I've got some Bible examples. I'll just give you one. You remember Samson? He was a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. You know, his parents were questioning his choices of women, didn't want him to go after her. He says, and he says, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. He was just concerned about his pleasure. He was having fun playing around with Delilah. I cannot in my wildest dreams think that Samson was that dense 
that he didn't know what Delilah was doing. I think he just felt like he was above it all. He just felt like he could handle it. You know, I can tell her whatever I want and, and she can't do anything to me. You know what? Satan's got you fooled. You can go out and partake of the wickedness of the world and it not leave scars on you. You can't, you can't play footsie with Satan and win. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers. This is what this world is about. And if we're not careful, Christian, we'll go down that road. Because every one of us in our flesh, we'd much rather be sitting down enjoying a cup of iced tea than working. We'd much rather be, be relaxing than slaving away. We'd much rather be in a nice, comfortable environment than a hot or a cold environment. I mean, we're, we, we have this flesh we're living in. And so we have to guard our heart and make sure that we don't fall in love with sin, become a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. I'm going to try and move quickly here. Thirdly, we see that we need to look out for the love of shadows. We see in the Word of God in John chapter 3 and verse number 19, and this is the commandment that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We know that that's a way of the world. Uh, we know that nothing of any good happens after midnight. You know, it's, it's just the, the philosophy and the mentality. I mean, things that are bad happen in the dark. Men love darkness. Why? Because their deeds are evil. And here's the question, Christian. Uh, do you enjoy slipping over here into the shadows? Partaking of a little bit of darkness? Or do you enjoy being in the light? Oh, it's not, it's not really sin. I'm not really getting involved in that. But occasionally I like drifting over in, into that area just a little bit. We've got to guard our heart against that. Because he says it's something that the heart naturally would want to go after. And any one of us are capable of the vilest of sin if we let our wicked and sinful heart pursue after what it wants instead of us controlling what it should have. Fourthly, we see the love of silver. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 10, we know the Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money, beloved, the love of money has ruined more lives than drugs and alcohol put together. The love of money. It has destroyed so many. It, you, you do just a cursory search on, on most people that win the lottery and their lives are destroyed in a very short amount of time. Just destroyed. Men are in love with their income. Many people will do unimaginable things for money. Just a few months after marrying her firefighter husband, William Walker, Aloma Curry Walker asked her then 17-year-old daughter to find someone that would take his life. The reason, she said, was she wanted to collect the $100,000 in insurance money. Her husband, of just a few months, she wanted him killed so she can collect the insurance money. You know, the really funny thing is, <laughs> they did it. That's not funny. They did it, but she didn't wait long enough. The husband hadn't changed the will yet, 
and the guy's ex-wife, the, the, guy, the lady she left, got the money. So she didn't get anything. She did that, and she didn't get anything. Somebody else got the money. Yeah, you talk about poetic justice, right? Stacy and Jose Mendoza are accused of torturing and murdering Kenneth Cole, a 70-year-old Vietnam veteran. Stacy had met him at a California restaurant where she worked. She befriended him through time, became very close, ultimately was receiving money from him. She then took control of his bank accounts. The two became very close. Control of his bank accounts wasn't sufficient. Her and her partner took... Uh, I can't find his name. What was his name? Dennis... This, the Viet Keith, uh, Kenneth, took Kenneth, took him and uh, locked him in a building, tortured him until he signed over all of his assets, his house, and gave them power of attorney. And ultimately, they got caught, which is why we know about it. But what people will do for money, the love of money, beloved, and we're not above it. We're not beyond it. When we pursue after money more than we pursue God. God has told us very clearly that no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's, there's only, you can only have one master. You're either going to go after money or you're going to go after God, but you can't do both. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to look out for the love of money. This is seen, beloved, by how many people get upset when the church preaches on money. It's mind-boggling to me how people get mad at the pastor and how much ridiculous YouTube videos get stuck out there about this pastor asked for money and this pastor said that you ought to be tithing and this pastor said this. Listen, God's given you everything that you have. He's given you the air to breathe, the ability to stand and the ability to work. 10% is nothing. 10% is baby Christian. 10% is a guy that's just starting to learn what, learn about God. It doesn't bother you at all that you go down to McDonald's and get something from them and they, they ask you for money. It doesn't, they, it ne nobody complains about that. Well, that's not true. They do complain about that. <laughs> they complain about everything regardless, right? But they, they hand it over. It's okay, you know. It, you know, uh, you go down here, to the, nobody complains at the Raven Stadium. You go down there and play, pay for a ticket, $100, two, three, four, five hundred dollars I don't know... Brother Glover was telling me that if the Ravens would have been in the Super Bowl and the bowl would have been here, that one ticket that his company was offering, how much was it? $4,500 to $6,000 for one ticket. And people paid it. There are people that paid over a million dollars to sit in a booth at the stadium there uh, for the Super Bowl. For one night, for one game, over a million dollars for them to be able to sit in this booth. Nobody's making YouTube videos about uh, how unjust and wrong and, and these, these Ravens and this the NFL, uh, you know, just going after everybody's money. Yeah, people are in love with money. That's why they're getting so mad about it. People love their investments. Their mentality of getting all they can and canning all they can get. They're saving it for a rainy day that's never going to come. 
In Mark chapter 10, God looked right through the pious life of a young rich man who he knew in his heart was holding on to his money above all else. In verse number 21, he says, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell what thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross and follow me. The young man couldn't do it. He couldn't let it go because that's what he was holding on to. The Bible says that he went away sad for he had much possessions. Where are your possessions today, beloved? Are they in your hand or are they in your heart? There's nothing wrong with God giving you a possession, something that you have that you can use that is utilized for Him, for His glory, to help others, to to live your life. Those are okay. As long as your possessions don't have you. A young boy walked wide-eyed into an old-fashioned candy shop. The display of candy everywhere was almost more than he could take The shopkeeper, seeing the boy's eyes and mouth water, decided he would generously give a bag of hard candy that the boy seemed especially interested in to him. And so he grabbed a bag and he scooped out some of that candy and gave it to him. And the boy says, I I ain't got no money, mister. Ain't got no money. He said, that's okay. This is just for you. I want you to enjoy it. And uh, he took, took the candy and the boy was so excited and he went outside right in front of the shop and sat down on a bench and began to eat it and, you know, drool coming out of his mouth and he's eating this candy. And the shopkeeper didn't have anybody else in the shop and so he thought, well, I'm just going to go out and watch this young boy enjoy his candy. I mean, it, it's fun to give and see people enjoying the blessings of God and he's just going to go sit down and see him enjoying this candy. And so he was sitting there talking to him and after a couple minutes he looked at the boy and he says, hey, what's your favorite candy? Uh, uh, flavor in there, you know, and they're chatting. And he says, would you mind if I tried one of those flavors? And the boy said, no, you, you can't have one. They're mine. That's the average mentality of the Christian with God. Everything we have has come from God. The pastor gets up and preaches on a need or tells you about what's going on or that we ought to be generously giving to God, sowing bountifully. And, and it's, wait, wait, wait a minute. Why would he ask for something that's mine? We've got to look out, beloved, for the love of silver. It's just money. We're not taking any of it with us. Amen. It's all going to be passed on to somebody else. We've got to guard our heart. We've got to look out for the love of silver. Lastly, this evening, we need to look out for the love of the world, the love of society. John 2, verses 15 through 7, he said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You've got to look out for the love of the world. Beloved, these things that are given to us very clearly in the Scriptures, I'm not just pulling these out at random. They're given to us by God. And it's a statement that very clearly insinuates that we have a heart that is given to go after these things. And we've got to be careful. We've got to guard our heart. We've got to be cautious. Otherwise, we will pursue down that road. We'll let our heart go after these things. And they will begin to consume us and be a lover of those instead of a lover of God. You've got to look out for the love of society. It happens slowly. It happens subtly, but it happens. The world is enticing. 
It's elusive. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an allurement that, that draws you uh, just like any bait draws uh, a fish. It's something that it is appealing. And you look at that and it's always there. And boy, especially in our world, I mean, sometimes I feel like it might be easier if we just move to the backwoods of, uh, you know, the remote Africa or something because you wouldn't have all the enticements of this world that we live with around here. I mean, standing in the, in the aisle today talking to some of the teenagers and they're talking about all the different cars that are out and the, the different motors that they have and the, the ground speed and the acceleration and, and the sticker value and, and what this car and what that car costs. And I mean, that's just one little thing in this society that is ever before us. It's always drawing and pulling upon our heartstrings to distract us from what's most important, the love of God. You remember, beloved Demas, Paul said, Demoth has forsaken me, having loved this present world. If you're not careful, beloved, you won't even realize it. But you're going to fall in love with this world. We know Satan's attacks. He has the lust of the flesh, the desire to have, the lust of the eyes, the desire to see, the pride of life, the desire to be. These are all there mentioned in our text. You remember Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt because she turned back because she couldn't go away from the world. She looked back with, I think if she was just looking back to see the city burning, I, I don't think that would have been a problem. Just, oh man, look at it, it's burning up. But the problem is she looked back with a longing for her heart to be there and what she was letting go instead of what she was running to God, we've got to be careful, beloved. We've got to look out for love. Anything this world has that you strive to hang on to, I want you to know it's not secure. doesn't matter what it is. It's not secure. The world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The things we do for God will last forever, for eternity. Things in this world, they're fleeting. They're passing. They aren't going to matter worth a hill of beans down the road a little bit. Sometimes even just a couple years, it's almost like, well, you know, that was useless. But anything that you do for God lasts for eternity. The world thrills and then it kills. The world creates anticipation and then it captivates, holds you hostage. Satan sold us a bill of goods with regard to this world. We need to guard our hearts. We need to look out for love that's put in the wrong places. Beloved, God tells us that the highest attribute of the heart of man is love. In Colossians 3, 13, 13, he's, sorry, Corinthians 13, 13, he says, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. So love is a great thing, but we've got to be careful to guard our heart. To be sure that we're not in love with the wrong things and forsaking Christ. We see all through the scripture that love is tied to worship. The world wants you to love yourself. Silver. And sin, 
But we need to love the Savior most of all. We need to die to self and pick up our cross, live for the Lord, following the biblical mandate to love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy might, and with all thy strength. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed?